number one tonight as we get started with our message this evening. And uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. Lord, thank you for again for the evening. Thank you for the opportunity you've given me. Lord, I pray that you use uh, what you've laid on my heart tonight. And uh, Lord, speak to hearts, uh, each one that's here. Lord, I pray that you'd work in our lives and uh, help us to see beyond uh, the things that we see in, in the, the Christmas story and see what uh, the true message of Christmas is, that it's all about Christ. And uh, Lord, as a result, there should be a, a response in our lives to him. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that this evening through your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter number one this evening. Let's, uh, let's read just a few verses. Verse number 18. We'll start there. Luke chapter one, verse 18. The Bible says this. Uh, and, and Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee uh, these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in that season. All right, jump down to uh, verse number uh, 25. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number 26. Uh, and in the, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man named, uh, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and a virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art, being, how, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she, saw, when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast her in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Then the Lord God shall give, him unto his, uh, shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered her, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon me. And, uh, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. Uh, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary, answer, uh, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, as we think about the, the Christmas story and as we think about uh, some of the things that happen here as we think about the birth of Christ in general. When we think about these things, uh, a lot of times it has become, it, it has come, uh, been so commercialized in, in our day and time uh, and, and even watered down and even changed in a lot of ways. Uh, and sometimes we allow ourselves, I think, to, to get some of our, our theology about Christ and about the birth of Christ from the Christmas songs that we sing and the the things we see on TV, rather than getting them from, from, from the Word of God. And uh, you can ask uh, a couple of our teenagers. We had um, uh, Sunday morning, we, I was speaking with them, and uh, we were, they were asking some questions. So I gave them a quiz. I gave them a quiz on uh, the birth of Christ, and they're still mad at me uh, because most of them failed it. Uh, you know, we, we think about the fact that, um, you know, we think that there was three wise men. Um, you know, we think that a lot of times because there was three gifts. We think that because there's a song called We Three Kings of Orient Are. Uh, we think about the fact that uh, the, the innkeeper said there's no room in the inn. Uh, the Bible doesn't mention an innkeeper. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of little details about the story of the birth of Christ that we pick up from all these things. And, it, and it, you know, it's not that we shouldn't sing Christmas carols. Uh, you know, they do a lot of what they do because it rhymes, uh, because it's easy to remember uh, musically and, and so on and so forth. Um, but a lot of times we, we take those things and we take those things as if that's the truth. And, and, and you know, we, we get to the point where uh, Christmas and, and even the, the stories and even the things that we see, uh, that that's what it is. Um, but there are, there's actually, there, there's so much more than that. There, there are so many Bible characters that are involved in the Christmas story beyond Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men that we don't think about. Uh, there's people like, like Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, who five months before the angel goes to Mary uh, foretells of John the Baptist's birth. And she is conceived in a miraculous event. Uh, and, and, and really, I believe that kind of starts the Christmas story because eventually he is going to be the forerunner and the forebearer of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's going to go forth from the wilderness and, and, and prepare the way of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, there, there's people like, uh, like, um, like Simeon and Anna, uh, people working in the temple at Jerusalem. And, and when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus Christ to the temple to, to be presented uh, after his birth and, and to dedicate him, uh, and Simeon comes forth after having been told that he would not see death until he sees the Christ child. Uh, Anna is a, a, an older prophetess that's, that's working there in the temple, and she believes by faith that the Christ child is who he says he is and goes about telling all who wonder about salvation and wonder about those things of the Lord. You know, and, and there's, there's these people that we miss in the Christmas story. Even, even the people that are familiar to us in the Christmas story, a lot of times we, we miss the details and we miss thinking about what they truly went through and what they dealt with as they dealt with this, this time and through this time as the, as the Christmas season, or as the, as the Christmas story unfolds. Uh, even the angel Gabriel, you know, we don't, we don't think about the angel very much. Uh, but you think about it, the angel Gabriel was involved in almost every single one of their lives. He's the one who came and gave them the news about everything that happened. And, and the angel Gabriel, even 500 years previous, foretold of, of the the reign of Christ and the, the everlasting dominion that Christ would have to Daniel in Daniel chapter number seven. Uh, he may have even been involved in, in, in telling Isaiah about that when Isaiah prophesied it in, in Isaiah chapter seven and Isaiah chapter nine, 700 years beforehand. And we miss some of the details. We miss thinking about the prophecies that are fulfilled. We miss thinking about all of these aspects of it because I think a lot of times we focus on the fact that we see the nativities we see the shepherds, we see the wise men at the nativity uh, when it wasn't probably but a couple years later that they came to see Christ. Uh, you know, we, we miss a lot of this and we just think about it in light of Christmas, uh, but there's so much more to the story. My point is tonight is that as you think of the Christmas story, don't think of it as just Luke chapter 2 where it talks about the, uh, Caesar Augustus calling all the world to be taxed and they go to Bethlehem and Mary's great with child and they find themselves in the stable, and, and she gives birth. And the, the shepherds come and see her, and then the wise men come and see them. It's, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. And so don't think about it as just those 
12 or 15 verses there in Luke chapter number 2, but think about it in light uh, that all these characters that are involved, the prophecies that are being fulfilled in great detail, uh, the reason that we celebrate Christmas at all is so much more than that. You know, we, we talk about the fact that the reason for the season is Jesus Christ. But really, the reason for the season, it is Christ, but Him being the reason for the season should cause a response in our lives just like it did for many of these people that we see involved in this story. And their response is very different. And yet we should have somewhat of the same response in our lives today. And so that's what we're going to see tonight. I hope that this is a blessing to you this evening. Uh, especially as Christians, the reason should be to create a response in our lives. And our response to the reason for the, for the, reason, to the reason for the season should be that we should tell others about Jesus Christ. You know, it is the reason for this season is to point ourselves to Christ. But as we look to Christ, what is he going to do in our lives? As we see Christ, what is that going to change? What is our response to Christ today, much like what was the response of so many to Christ when he was born thousands of years ago? Okay, and so as we see that tonight, let's look at number one. There was a specific choice. As we think about the birth of Christ, there was a specific choice made. And we find that here in Luke chapter number one, verse number 26, down through verse number 38. And we find that the choice was Mary was the one that was chosen. You think about all of the, all of the young ladies, all of the people that could have been chosen to carry the Christ child. You think about the hundreds of thousands, hundreds and thousands of ladies that lived in Israel at this time. Why Mary? You ever thought about that? Why was Mary the one that was chosen? Well, we see, first of all, that it was because she was pure. She was pure. Look at verse number 27 here. The Bible says in verse 27, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. She was pure in her life. She was keeping herself pure for the one that God had planned for her, Joseph. And yet, at this time, you think about what the angel is saying to her. He's saying, I want you to go through all of the scorn and all of the ridicule and all the difficulty that you're going to face as a young maiden in Israel who's going to be pregnant before you have come in with your, before you've been with your husband before you've even been married. And she's going to have to go through all of that. She's going to have to go through months of that, of people looking down and people scorning and people outcasting her. We don't think about that. We think about Mary, you know, the precious woman who, who is great with child, but she goes and she gives birth and, and Jesus is a perfect baby and never cries. And, and, you know, that everything's perfect. It's not the way it was. She went through a lot to give birth to the Christ child. And first of all, we see that the choice, the specific choice that God made to choose Mary was because of the purity that was in her life. Proverbs 30, verse 12 says, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their own filthiness. There, that's, that's us. You know, so many people today think, I'm pure. I, I'm this, I'm that. And look at the filthiness that we are involved in and that is all around us in our world today. Uh, that really describes us to a seat. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, 
and impurity. You know, Mary was not much more than a teenager. She was probably in her late teens, maybe her early 20s. Uh, but at this time, you, you think about it, women were, were being given to their husbands at a younger age than they are today. Uh, she was probably espoused or promised to Joseph, uh, 16, 17, 18 years old. And so she's going through all of this. She's making these decisions. She's, she's going through the scorn. She, she's dealing with the questions. She's dealing with all these things as such a young, excuse me, as such a young lady. Uh, but Timothy tells us, uh, even in your youth, be an example of the believers in purity. Second uh, Timothy 2.21, If any man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's exactly what, what God wants for all of us. He wants us all to be a vessel that can be used for whatever purpose he has for our lives. But that requires us being pure beforehand. That requires us living a life that is right and clean in God's eyes beforehand. She was not only pure, but she was also humble. She was also humble. Look at verse number 28. The Bible says, or uh, yeah, verse 28 says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now jump down to verse number 30. And the Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You know, her question to the angel was, why me? How is this going to take place when I, when I have not seen a man, when I have not known a man? She, she's questioning why, and, and rightfully so, to be honest with you. And the angel looks at her and says, because you are highly favored, because you have found favor with God. He was honoring Mary in this choice. But, you know, the Bible says in many different places, uh, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Humble yourselves. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, Let us hear, uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. He gives the ability for us to the, to the humble people. 1 Peter 5, 5 Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. If Mary found grace in God's eyes, does it not seem that she would have been a humble person? That she would have been uh, somebody who had humility in her life? God is not going to give her such a great honor, you know, in, in in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the qualifications of, a, of an elder, of qualifications of a pastor. And, and it says to be careful that you don't lift up a, a novice, lest he being filled with pride does that which he should not, I'm paraphrasing, but, but does not honor, does not perform the duties of a pastor. Uh, you know, and this is, this is different, but the principle is the same. Uh, you know, but he's giving the honor to someone who is very young because she is proving herself as someone who is humble, someone who is pure in her life, but she's also submissive. Verse number 38 says this, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What a great statement of faith. What a great statement of surrender. What a great statement of submission to Christ, to God, to his will for her life. 
God is asking her to give up her life as she knows it. To go through things that she was not going to have to face. To deal with things she was not going to have to deal with. To raise God's son, Jesus Christ. I've asked the teenagers what they would feel like if, if God came down and said that to them. Some of them said, I'd run away. Some of them said, I'd be afraid. What else? They'd say no. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about it. Put yourself in her shoes as, as, a, as a teenage girl, and yet God is asking her to bear the Christ child. What an honor, but what a, what a burden and what a responsibility at the same time. And yet she says, be it unto me according to thy word. She says, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Whatever you want, I am there and I'm willing to go through that. She was submissive. Uh, James 4.7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ecclesiastes 12.13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Submit. Just fear God and keep his commandments. Submit to his will. That's the whole duty of mankind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's our duty. That's, that's what God has called us to. Ephesians 2, 10, we're familiar with 2, 8, and 9. What about 2.10? Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us at whatever stage of life that we are in. And our response should be the same as Mary's. Be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever you want, I'm all in. Whatever you want, I will submit to you. So we see, first of all, that... that uh, in this response of Mary, or in this birth of Christ, that there was a specific choice made. That was for Mary to be the one to bear the Christ child. But let's look at a supernatural birth. A supernatural birth. Because for, for two reasons. The first one is this. There, there's a prophetic reason why it's, it has to be a supernatural birth. Look down at verse number, um, verse number 27 to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. It had to be a supernatural birth. It could not be a natural birth with a human man. Otherwise, there would be no point he would be a sinful man like all of the rest of us. He could not go and pay for our sins on the cross. It had to be a supernatural birth. And part of the reason was because it was fulfilling the prophecies that happened 700, 500, hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand, and yet they happened in, in perfect detail and came true. But it was also because of a sin reason. A sin reason. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all sinners. And that deemed, that demanded that Christ be the one to come and die. 
See, it wasn't just to fulfill the prophecy. Christ came because he loved us. We all know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he came to give life and to give life everlasting. It had to be a supernatural birth. And we see that because of the prophetic reason as well as the sin reason that we have in our lives. But let's look at a scandal as well. A scandal that's being considered. Turn back to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. And we see here in verse number 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, we see the story where Joseph is told of, of what's going to happen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, in verse number 18, on this, was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him uh, in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And he goes on to tell him that she shall bring forth the son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he's going to save their people from their sins. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, we just looked at saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, verse 24, uh, did as, he was, uh, as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. You think about Joseph's side of this story. You think about what Mary was going to possibly go through, but think about Joseph. Think about the shame and the ridicule on his side of it. Uh, according to Israeli law, Jewish law at the time, he could have had Mary killed. He could have had her taken out and stoned to death if he wanted to. And yet, he wasn't minded to make her a, a public example. He was going to put her away privately. He was a just man. He was an honorable man. While he was thinking on these things, what happens? Guess what? Gabriel shows up and says, hey, What's born in her is not of another man, it's of the Holy Ghost. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Do what you are planning to do and call his name Emmanuel. Call his name Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins. And what does Joseph do? What's his response to this? He obeyed in great detail. He obeyed. He took Mary to his wife, as we see there at the end of this chapter, and he, was, he did not know her until she had brought forth Jesus Christ, our firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. He did exactly what the angel of the Lord told him to do. And yet, I wonder if we were put in the same circumstance, if we were put in the same situation, what would we have done? Would we have obeyed? Or would we have chosen to do things the way we wanted to do them? To avoid the shame, to avoid the ridicule, to avoid the inconvenience, to avoid the discomfort. And yet that was not who Joseph was. Think of how devastated he was when he found out. And yet he still chose to do and obey God as God commanded him to do. See, even he put aside his own rights as her husband until even after they were married, he put away his own husbandly rights and prerogatives and waited to be with her until after she had given birth. 
Sometimes we must put aside what we have a human right to and give up what God calls, give up what we want to do what God calls us to do. Many times this does not make sense, but God knows what we can handle and what is best for us. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God thinks on the supernatural plane. God thinks in the miraculous. God thinks in a realm that we cannot comprehend because he knows all things. And many times we hold so much onto the things we feel are so dear and we give up that which God wants to give us that is so much better. We really do. We hold on to the things of this life like they are so very important. Nothing in this life is going away with us. Nothing. The whole point of Christmas is to get our eyes off of us and off of everything else and put them on Jesus Christ that was born. And yet in our world today, what is it? Our world is all about us, especially at this time of year. It has nothing to do with Christ. It has everything to do with what do you want? And what do you want right now? Amazon still today, you can order tomorrow and you can still get your gift by Christmas. We live in a day and time where it's the gratification of the now. Whatever I want, I can get it. It's so focused on me and it's so focused on what I want and what my desires are and it takes everything off of who Christ is and what he wants for us. Joseph gave up some of the things that were probably pretty important to him. He gave up some pride and humbled himself and obeyed God in his life. Let's see lastly here some strange recipients. Turn back to Luke, Luke chapter number 2. And we see the, the story progress, and, and after Christ is born, the Bible says in verse number 8 of Luke chapter 2, there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he goes on and he talks about the fact that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with them, not the, with the angel, not just a single angel, excuse me, but a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And what did they do? They went. They immediately left everything. Did they go find somebody to watch their sheep? They left everything. And they went to find what the angel spoke of. And as they came and they saw Christ, they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they left that place, when they left Mary and Joseph, when they left the Christ child, what did they do? They went and they proclaimed to anyone who would hear them. They made known abroad all the things that were told unto them and all the things that they had seen. 
anyone who would listen, anyone who heard what they said, the shepherds told. You think about the most unlikely of people in all of Israel to be the next ones to be told about the Christ child, it'd be the shepherds. You know, our human minds, we would think the next person to be, would, to be told would be whoever was ruling in Israel. Maybe some family members of Mary and Joseph. Maybe some of the important people of the city of Bethlehem. You know, some other people. But certainly not the shepherds who were alone in the field with some smelly sheep. But that's who God went to. That's who God told about the birth of Christ. Why? Well, I think because of what he knew their response was going to be. They didn't just sit around. They didn't just think about what they were told. They immediately went to find Christ. And when they left Christ, they immediately went and they told anyone they could find about him and about all of the miraculous things that they saw. Can you imagine what went through their mind? They're standing there watching their sheep, maybe getting a little tired, maybe falling asleep themselves. And all of a sudden, there's a bright light. Maybe it's the appearance of the angel. Maybe he is white. I don't, you know, I don't know. But they see the angel appear. And he tells them about what's going on. And then all, immediately, there was with him a multitude of the heavenly host. Can you imagine? Their immediate response was, I can't keep this a secret. I got to go tell somebody. I got to go find out what they were talking about, what they were saying, what, what they were praising God about. And so they went. So as you think of the birth of Christ, as you think of these different aspects of the story, as you think about all the different people, whether it's the people we've discussed or whether it's Zacharias and Elizabeth and Anna and Simeon or uh, Gabriel or the wise men or Herod, all the different ways God worked through the Christmas story. When you think about it, God used Caesar Augustus to accomplish part of his will and his plan. An unsaved pagan. And yet, because he called for the world to be taxed, they went to the place where, where God prophesied that he would be born. God used Herod and, and, and his response to it when he was going to search for and kill the king to send them to Egypt, which was also prophesied, and to bring them back out of Egypt when Herod was dead. And the person that replaced Herod to send them to Nazareth because he was going to be called a Nazarene. All the little details, and we miss it. But as we see all these different peoples and all these different characters and all these different aspects of this story, what is our response? What was the response of these that we saw? As you think of the birth of Christ, the response of Mary, she submitted herself to God's will. Joseph's response was that he humbled himself and obeyed what God told him to do. The shepherd's response was they took what they saw and heard and told everyone that would listen. Well, as we look at the reason for the season, who is Jesus Christ, what is our response? Jesus Christ, as he is here with us today, as real as he was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, 
what is our response? As real as he is, as he answers prayer in your life and provides for our needs and is good to us on a daily basis and his mercy is new every morning, what's our response? See, our response should be something similar to the shepherds. Doesn't matter how shy we are. Doesn't matter how much we don't want to talk to somebody. I get nervous every single time I go out soul winning. But you know what? The Christ in my life should cause a response in me that I cannot help but go out and tell somebody. That's the response of, of, of the shepherds. That's the response of so many that dealt with and, and, and ministered to Christ. That was the response of Simeon and Anna at the end of Luke chapter number 2. What are we going to do with Christ? What are we going to do with the reason for the season this year? What is your response tonight to Jesus Christ? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the day, and Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for giving him to us so many years ago. And uh, Lord, I, I cannot even begin to say thank you because we certainly do not deserve all that you have done. And yet, Lord, I, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for working in our hearts and lives. Thank you for offering salvation to us as a free gift. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the story that we read tonight, the true story, the truth of God's word as it was told, and, and Lord, as it's been recorded for us, that it tells of the birth of Christ in great detail. From the prophecy 700 years before to uh, the delivery of that 2,000 years ago. And yet, Lord, we still are dealing with and we're still seeing Christ today. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us just to, in a very real way, begin to notice and begin to see Jesus Christ in our lives. And Lord, that as we see him, Lord, I pray that you would cause a response in our hearts and lives that would not just be to focus on Christ during Christmas, but to focus on Christ to the point that we cannot help but go and tell someone else of what happened. That we cannot help but give the good news of the gospel of Christ to someone that we know, someone that we come in contact with. Lord, I pray you'd help me, and Lord, give me the boldness to do those things. Lord, I pray for each person here tonight, that, uh, Lord, as we work, as you work in our lives, as you speak to us, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see uh, the reality of the birth of Christ, and that's to focus on Jesus, but also to give the good news of the gospel of Christ for the reason he came, that was to die on the cross, to give his life a ransom for all, that we all might be saved. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight, help us for the rest of this week, the rest of this season, the rest of this year, the rest of our lives, Lord, that we would do that which you have called us to do, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.